You're listening to the Footprints of Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Samantha Lawrence. Today on Footprints, we welcome Anusha Bleasby, the Acting Manager of Corporate Strategy and Policy at Melbourne Water. Anusha is a dynamic and inspiring communications professional with more than a decade's experience in the Victorian water sector. Anusha is a strategic thinker with an inquisitive mind who leads large teams to deliver high quality and successful outcomes. Her leadership style is underpinned by fairness and equality, and she is an unwavering advocate for exceptional customer service and meaningful engagement. Anusha has successfully created a balance between work and home life, beautifully providing a strong example for a gorgeous one-year-old son. An avid baker in her free time, she likes to express her creativity through some incredible at-home edible creations. Anusha is an inspiring female leader taking the water industry by storm. Hi, Anusha. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. What a beautiful intro. (laughs) Thank you for being here. I think that sums you up beautifully and I'm so excited to be having this chat with you today. Could you please start by briefly describing your leadership journey and how you've ended up where you are today? Yeah, absolutely. So I started in the water industry during the GFC and I wish I could say that, you know, I had a burning passion to always work in the sector, but really I just needed a job. But it really is the best thing that has ever happened to me for my career. I started off in the graduate program at Melbourne Water and through that program, I got to work through a whole lot of different communications disciplines. So internal communications, media, community engagement, corporate affairs, and I got to work um, on some of the biggest issues of the time. So the millennium drought, and the Victorian bushfires. So the experience I got through that was just incredible. From there, I moved on to working in the media team and that's where I got my first leadership role as the team leader of social media and issues. And that was fantastic. We were a small team, but we were a really close team. I love the people that I worked with. From there, I moved into the acting manager of government affairs at Melbourne Water Still, which was a really good opportunity for me to expand my comm skills into government relations as well. And that led to a role at City West Water, managing the communications and engagement team, which kind of gave me the opportunity to bring together all of my different communications and engagement experience into one role. And that was, that was my biggest role to date. That was my big step in my career. And uh, over, I think, nearly over two years, we built that team from around six people to around 16. So that was really, really rewarding to see. Wow. And you were quite young at that time too, when you had that large leadership role at City West Water? Yeah, I think I was 29 when I started in that role. That's incredible. Um, so that was, it was very um, good of them to, <laughs> to take a leap of faith and I really enjoyed it. So I was there for uh, almost three years and took some time off to have my son and I've recently returned to Melbourne Water as the uh, Acting Manager of Corporate Strategy and Policy, which is an opportunity again for me to kind of broaden my skill set and do something a little bit different. Oh, amazing. Such an incredible career and full of a lot of leadership in there. I'd love to ask you what leadership means to you. It's a really good question. I was reflecting on this and I think it's changed so much since I started in my career. When I started out, you know, I saw leaders as they were the ones who had all the answers and they made all decisions and they were very strong. And I think it was that very old school, typical definition of leadership. And as I've progressed through my career, that's changed a lot. And now I I see leaders as not always having to have the answers. They're the ones who get the people in the room and enable people to come to the right decision and enable people to do their best. That's 
really strong leadership. And I think there's a piece in there too about empathy and vulnerability. And if I think about the really great leaders that I've worked for, they're the ones that you respect, the ones that you go to for advice and the ones that you want to do your best for. It's so true, isn't it? You know, lead by example and someone's going to want to work hard for you. Yeah, that's uh, it's when I see you get the best out of people. And me personally, when I've worked for fantastic leaders, that's that's when I feel most motivated. Was it something that you always thought you were going to do? Did you sort of, you know, as, as a child or as a teenager growing up, were you, you're obviously a very driven person, were you sort of um, ambitious to, to be a leader? Not really. When I was in school, I was, you know, a, a sports captain and a house captain and, and things like that. But I never did those things because they were leadership roles. I'm always attracted to roles that I find interesting and that I think will be challenging. And I think in my career so far, they've translated into leadership roles, but that's not necessarily what drives me. That makes sense. That makes sense. Do you have a special little secret routine or strategies that you use to stay so organized and, and motivated? I wish I did. And I'm going to listen to the other episodes of this podcast <laughs> so I can hear what other people say and get some good tips. Um, I think for me, there's no silver bullet. There's probably just a lot of little things that I do that really help. So I'm not a morning person, but I've trained myself to be a morning person because starting early is a really great way to create some space to plan your day, make your to-do list, get through your emails, do a little bit of work so you can start the day in a very kind of organized and, and calm way. I'm a massive list maker. I have, you know, monthly to-do list, weekly to-do list, daily to-do list, which sounds a little bit OCD, but I work in a really fast paced and dynamic environment. So having mm. lists make sure I can maintain focus on what I need to do and, and it helps me prioritize. So I find that really, really helpful. I prepare meals and snacks because I get very hangry yeah. <laughs> and I perform yeah. best when I'm not hungry and it means you can also <laughs> make sure that you're eating well, which is really important for your health. And on that, I think taking breaks. So I'm traditionally not very good at that and over the past couple of months, I've been getting migraines again, which is my body's way of telling me you need to slow down and you need to take it easy. So yeah. I think taking breaks is really important, going for walks where you can actually scheduling that time out of your day. If you can't, if you're in back-to-back -back meetings, which is sometimes the case now with just everyone on Skype and Zoom and Teams, choosing a meeting that you could do as a walking meeting. So, you know, not being on your computer, actually popping in your headphones and, and going for a walk while you do it. Such um, a that's great been idea. Really, really helpful for me. Yeah. Um, or just doing stretches at your desk, like it sounds so little, but even that is just really, really important and really helpful. And I think the last thing too is taking mental breaks because I think we tend to focus a lot on physical breaks um, and something I've been trying to focus on is how are you kind of giving yourself that opportunity to mentally relax and mentally unwind. Um, so for me, podcasts and audible is a really good way of doing that as, as well as walking, which I find really calming and meditative. Yes. Oh my gosh. There was so much good advice in there. I was ticking along <laughs> going, I'm, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. <laughs> How do you go as, you know, you, you said you've sort of trained yourself to become a morning person. Is that even more challenging now that you're a mum and sort of how early are we talking? Are we getting in and doing emails before we're having meetings with your staff? How does that sort of look? 
my son has definitely trained me to be a morning person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and he is definitely an early riser. So um, right. usually around 5.30 is when he gets up. And if you told pre-baby me that I'd be getting up at 5.30 in the morning and that it was possible for a person to live on less than, you know, six hours sleep, I wouldn't have believed you. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the good thing is I can get up early, spend some time with my son, do breakfast with him, have some really good quality time as a family in the morning. And then I start around 7.30. I've been really clear with my team and it's a good understanding that we have too at Melbourne Water that flexible working arrangements are really important. You know, I've said to my team, just because I start at 7.30, I don't expect you to. And so usually that time in the morning for me is just me going through my emails, doing my work, getting myself set for the day um, from that perspective. And if there are other early rises in my team, then we catch up then. But that's not a a universal thing for everyone because everyone has their own priorities that they need to look after. Oh, that's fantastic. So great and amazing that you're getting up that early and getting into it. That's fantastic. still so hard. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have to get yourself to bed earlier? I do. I do. So I'm in bed by like 9.30. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, it, it all balances out. Yeah. Yeah. What has been your greatest professional achievement and why? So I think for me, from a leadership perspective, it's probably the team that I built at City West Water and the work that we achieved there. I, I really loved seeing, you know, the progress that we made over those two years. I loved being able to work with and recruit really passionate, talented people who loved what they did and had had such fantastic experience because I got to learn from them. You know, they were the best in their field and I got to bring them on board and, and see what they did and learn from that, which I found fantastic. And to be able to, it was so, it was really hard to leave, but to be able to see where we'd come from and where we'd gotten to was really, really rewarding. I really enjoyed that. And I think from a project perspective was a a project I worked on at City West Water, which was the Women in STEM Scholarship, which was a partnership between City West Water and Victoria University. And that was providing a scholarship and mentoring for a female engineer in Vic Uni with the senior female leadership at City West Water. And I really enjoyed that because it's really nice to see the work you do making a difference to someone's life and enabling them to reach their goals and their dreams. And so that's one that just, I really enjoyed that. And it was nice at the end of the day to see that you can make a difference. Oh, how fulfilling and rewarding. It's so, so nice when you can get that from your work as well. And congratulations on on achieving that as well. Thank you. And yeah, that was definitely not one that I did on my own. That was a a team effort and really nice to be part of two organisations who so strongly believe in the role that, you know, the greater role that women can play in those areas. Oh, you're such an amazing example for female leadership. It's so beautiful. It's so inspiring. As a very successful communications professional, in your words, what do you think the the keys to good communications is? (laughs) No pressure asking a comms person to to communicate. Exactly. So I think for me, it comes down to clarity, simplicity and authenticity. So I think being clear is so important. And that's not just being clear with your audience. It's also being clear with yourself. So what are you trying to say? Who are you trying to say it to? What do you want them to do? And then once you are really clear with that in your own mind, making that easy for your audience to understand, because the easier it is for them, the more likely they are to be able to understand what you need them to or do what you need them to. 
Uh, simplicity is really important. I think there is sometimes a tendency to overcomplicate things. And I think sometimes people think that simple is, you know, basic or stupid. You know, if it's simple, it can't be smart. There's such an amazing skill in being able to take something complex and make it really simple. And ultimately, that's what people are looking for. And if it's simple and if it's accessible, then you can actually engage more people and then you get different opinions and people with different experience able to be part of that conversation. So I think ultimately you get better outcomes. Authenticity is huge. Like if I think about communications now versus communications 15, 20 years ago, I think authenticity is just the key. You know, people demand that in today's communications and I think they demand that Mm. in today's leadership as well you know that's a whole other conversation but I think authenticity and communication is so important and it's the biggest thing that's going to erode your message if anything's going to if people don't believe you if they don't think you're being real then that's what's going to undermine everything that you're doing and people can tell the difference you know people can very quickly and easily see if someone's being authentic or not. And I think that's so fantastic that what you were saying then about authenticity also being very important for leadership. Is that something that you're aware of in your own leadership style? I definitely am. And I think it's something that has been brought to my attention because I've been really lucky to work with some fantastic leaders who are really authentic. And I think for me personally, it's something that I've struggled with in the past because I started out my career when I was very young and I was, you know, a young female working in a male-dominated industry of predominantly people who are a lot older than me. And I thought to be taken seriously, I have to be super professional and I have to be very serious, you know, and those things are very important. But it's also really important to let who you are shine through. And I think that helps you create connections with people. Like I said, I only had the courage to do that because I was lucky enough to work with people who did it and did it well. And so then I thought, oh, maybe I can be a little bit more me and and let my guard down a little bit. And you do, it's better outcomes, you have better relationships with people and you feel better too. Yeah, yeah. It's better for everybody involved. Yeah. And I think professionalism and authenticity aren't mutually exclusive. And I think that's recognised a lot more in the workforce now. Yes, professionalism and authenticity are not mutually exclusive. That is amazing advice. And it just, there you go. You are an amazing communications professional. You just made that very clear and simple for me. (laughs) And it's just, just made a little spark go off in my head. But it's so true that I think as a young person myself and to young people out there aspiring to be leaders, you can feel like you just need to be professional and do the right things that you think will get you there and will make you look like you're able to do the job. And so hearing that just very clearly that you can be authentic at the same time is so important. So thank you for that. What has been the most difficult decision you've had to make as a leader? Oh, that's a really tough one. Um, I think I've been involved in a couple of restructures during my career. And I think anything like that is is always really hard because ultimately a good business grows and a good business evolves and a good business changes to make sure that, you know, you can keep providing the services that your customers want and you can keep being a, a good viable business. And, you know, to do that, that means people's roles have to change and sometimes they change a little bit and sometimes they change a lot. But it's really hard when you're trying to balance, you know, the, the change in the direction the business needs with how that impacts on people. And that's something personally I find really hard. And I guess all you can do is just be as honest and upfront with people as you can. 
be as empathetic as you can because, you know, I've been part of restructures where the change has happened to my role. So I understand what that feels like. And, you know, to the points about communications, if you're clear, as clear as you can about what the drivers for change are and what the steps are and help give people as much information as possible and space to have Mm. those conversations, then that's really helpful. But it's still really difficult. Do you have any advice or sort of strategies you use when you're dealing with those difficult decisions, when you're about to go in the room and have a conversation like that? I think for me, uh, I'm a planner and I'm a preparer. So if it's going to be a difficult conversation, I like to take some time beforehand to sit down and, and think about how that's going to go. And that's not about creating a you know really rigid script, but it's about saying, you know, what are the important things that I would like to share with this person that I think will be important in the decision or, or that they need to hear? And then what are the questions that I can ask to help them either clarify the information or, or think about next steps so I can be prepared going into that conversation? I found that helpful. Yeah. That's something that's come up a couple of times now, actually. Preparation's the key. Mm, yeah, absolutely. How important is creativity in your life, your life and your work? I, it's funny, I don't consider myself a creative person. I wish I was. I think creativity is such a beautiful skill. And when I see it in other people, I'm so jealous and I'm so in awe. I think about when I did a bake. (laughs) I bake because I see cool stuff on Pinterest and then I'm like, I can do that. (laughs) Yeah, that's still creative. (laughs) Oh, thank you. I can't, I can't do the origin of creative ideas. I can deliver them once they're there. And I think about this training session I did earlier in my career around Myers-Briggs and we'd done the Myers-Briggs test and then we were sorted into groups depending on, you know, your different thinking and learning styles. And then the different groups were given the same task, which was there was an apple at the front and the task was describe this apple. And so I was in the group with the, you know, practical thinkers and so our words were it was red it was round it was shiny it was an apple you know it was probably a golden delicious apple or a red delicious apple or whatever <laughs> and we were very proud yeah. we we're like yes that is an apple <laughs> and then when we came to share the outcomes of that the other groups who were kind of like the creative thinkers were their words were you know delicious autumn cozy homely and we were just like what you know it was <laughs> my brain just was that's not how I think. And it was a really fascinating exercise in recognizing that people think so differently and that's so important mm. and so powerful. And so even if you don't think in that way, it's important to think about how you can harness people that do. So I guess for me, as I said, I don't consider myself an overly creative person, but in recognizing that, I think about situations where I can say, okay, I know what creative solution is needed here. So who do I need to get in the room with me to help work through this? Because I think I'm pretty good at recognizing solutions when I see them and my value and my strength is delivering that. That's what I can bring to the table. Yes. Wow. Fantastic. If you could give advice to your younger self regarding leadership, what would that be? I think a big one for me is understanding the power of empathy and that loops back to our previous conversation on authenticity. I think earlier in my career, I was very fixed on being, you know, very, very professional and didn't really understand the importance of empathy. And I guess, as I said, that empathy could be something that worked in really strongly with your career and with leadership. So that is something that I would I would definitely tell my younger self. I would say that asking questions don't make you look stupid. It makes you look interested. 
And that's another thing I was really self-conscious of, you know, asking stupid questions and appearing like you didn't know what was going on. But really, when you see other people doing it, they're just, they're interested and they're curious and there's nothing wrong with asking questions. And in fact, it's really powerful. And I think knowing your value, again, that one's a lot about confidence and it's about, you don't have to be the smartest person in the room, but it's understanding what the value is that you bring to that room. And sometimes that can be a hard thing for you to know in yourself. I know myself um, at the start of my career, particularly, I didn't have a lot of confidence and I would really struggle if someone said, what's the value you bring to this room? I would kind of panic and say, oh, I don't know. Yes, I um, would panic. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I definitely would have panicked. But that's a really good opportunity to speak to someone that you respect and that you trust. And it could be someone that you work with or you know, one of your friends or one of your family and just saying, what value do you think I bring to the room? What do you think I'm good at? And it's really nice because people always have something to say and it's sometimes things that you don't think of as a value or a strength so it's nice to get that perspective but once you can know that and understand that it it does help to give you some confidence. Mm, Fantastic thank you great advice there. So I would love to talk about all things mum work work mum life balance how you do all of these things so as a new mum, so your, your son's only just turned one recently, so he's still so little. Can you tell me the importance of work-life balance in, in your life and how you sort of make this work for you? Work-life balance is so important to me. It's a really big driver in my life and it's one of the key things I look for in an organisation to work for. For me, it's important to work at a place that understands that you're not just an employee, you have a life and you have a family and you have friends and that's a really important part of who you are. So work-life balance is very important to me and to be honest, it's a real struggle and I don't think the balance is ever really truly there. It's like a seesaw, you're kind of always going up and down and if I think of an example, you know, we were supposed to record this last week or a couple of weeks ago but my mum who cares for my son wasn't able to come over so my husband and I were rejuggling our meetings and that day I think I did a I was at one of our leadership meetings and I had my son on my shoulders and I was jumping up and down and like giving him pancakes <laughs> and giving him toys because it was the only thing I could do to stop him crying and uh, at the time it was really stressful but later on my like, oh it's kind of funny but you know you just do what you have to do. And for me, it's a choice. Like my son and my family come first. And that's really helped me because I have a tendency to be a perfectionist and to be a workaholic. So it's nice to have that counterpoint. And before I went back to work, I was talking to a friend about, you know, going back to work and the juggle. And he gave me some really good advice. He said, you've got to set boundaries and you've got to communicate those boundaries and you've got to stick to them. And that's something that I've been trying really hard to do. So when I started back, I said to my team, my son's nine months old, I'm going to start early in the morning and I'm going to finish up by five because I want to be there to do dinner with my son and bath and and bed and all of those kinds of things. And I've been sticking to that, which has been really good. You know, it does mean that sometimes I have to do work at night or a little bit earlier in the morning, but just being really clear that that's what you do. And I think Part of that is thinking about how you would react if someone said that to you. So, you know, I felt a little bit guilty like that saying, oh, I'm not going to be there for my team. But then I thought if someone from my team came to me and said, hey, I've got a nine-month-old baby and I'd like to work a little bit earlier in the morning, but I need to leave at five to be with my family, 
I'd say, absolutely, that sounds fine to me. <laughs> so yes. you, you can't have these weird double standards. So that's another mechanism I've been using to test with myself um, and make myself feel a little bit better, yeah. It's so true. It's such a good gauge, isn't it? Like just self-talk in general, The thing, sometimes the things we say to ourselves are so mean that you would so never mean. say that to anybody oh, yeah. else. <laughs> Absolutely. It's so, I'm like, oh, that's right. I would never say that to anyone in my team. So why would I say that to myself yes. or why would anyone think that about me? So. Yes. Yes. So with um, work-life balance being something that you value so much now and that you look for in an organization, is that something that you valued that highly before you had your son or has that changed through motherhood? It's definitely changed. It's always been something that I valued, but I would say it's not something that I did for myself. So it's always something that I've been strong about with my teams. And so I would always say to them, if your children are unwell, like take the time to be with them. If you're not feeling well, take time out for yourself. Make sure you're taking leave. All of those things, I was really strong with my team, but I absolutely was not role modeling that myself. And that became really clear to me one day when I jumped onto an online meeting with one of my teams and they'd already been in there. And I heard someone say, it's fantastic that Anusha is such a great advocate for well-being and work-life balance. It's just a pity that she doesn't do it for herself. And that was right. that was massive for me because the first time I really recognized, I guess, the role modeling component of that, you know, I was always a really vocal advocate for it, but it made me realize that me doing the doing was just as important as me talking about it. So that's been another really key driver for me. And then since my son came along, particularly like they just grow and change so quickly and I don't want to miss out. I don't want to hear about, you know, his milestones secondhand from other people. And ultimately I'm his mum, you know, like if I was to quit my job, that would be really hard, but they'd find someone else to do my job. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. a little bit harder to find someone else to look after my son. And ultimately that's where I want to be for this point in my life. I've made a decision from a career perspective to step into a, a smaller team than I was previously. And I think the part of that is that your career isn't linear. It doesn't have to start at a point and keep going progressively upwards mm. you know it can flatline for a little bit it can go backwards it can go down it can stop it can go in a circle it can do anything you want it to do and I think we're really lucky at this point in time I feel like we're more enabled to do that oh that's so fantastic that's such a good way of looking at it and you really are such an incredibly inspiring role model just by what you're doing in your career, being there for your family, managing it during a pandemic and working <laughs> from home, you know, it's, it is truly amazing and, and so inspiring. So thank you so much. And I really appreciate you sharing everything that you've shared today. It's been fantastic advice and an absolute pleasure to share this conversation with you. Oh, you're welcome. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the Footprints of Leadership podcast. Make sure you subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts and follow on Spotify to be notified of our next episode. You can find more on our socials at Footprints Podcast. This podcast was brought to you by Giraffe Consulting. If your business is ready for a new perspective, visit giraffeconsulting.com.au.